The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Nice it is to be here at the Improv Peruge. Guys, there's been <laughs> a lot of news. There's a mole. <laughs> Somewhere. Hiding in plain sight. Mixed in with the goons and white nationalists and the discards of Republican politics over the last 30 years. There walks a patriot. <laughs> he looks like he wants Donald Trump to succeed. <laughs> he acts like he wants Donald Trump to succeed. But, as we learned in the New York Times this week, He's very conflicted about it. <laughs> but, thanks to this whistleblower, to this good Julian Assange, <laughs> we now have learned something. Donald Trump is not fit to be president. <laughs> but have no fear, because there are adults in the room People like our anonymous hero, who every day makes sure that deregulation and judicial nominees move smoothly, despite the chaos, the bigotry that surrounds them. Fuck that guy! Oh my god! Unbelievable! Now, I am, I think, on the scale that exists amongst liberals and democratic socialists uh, they're <laughs> among liberals they're all liberals it's a brand thing oh you're a super liberal we'll get into it uh, you're not seizing the means of production you're a liberal uh, you're a liberal who likes the new bands I feel as though there is a consensus around the value of the so-called adults in the room among liberals and the consensus is fuck that you should walk out and say what you're seeing. I actually am a little bit more sympathetic than the consensus. I'm a tiny bit over towards the, we still kind of want those adults to be there. But, but, this op-ed is such a self-serving, <laughs> bit of self-righteous, <laughs> what is this op-ed gonna do? Nothing. It's going to do nothing. It's going to rile up Donald Trump. It's going to rile up his supporters. It didn't teach us anything we know. I didn't see Paul Ryan change his mind. I don't even know if he's answered a question about it. 
Paul Ryan's answers to questions about Donald Trump actually have what is technically known as a redshift in them uh, because he's moving so far <laughs> away <laughs> so quickly. Or is that a blue shift? Is there anybody who knows? The guy, it's red, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. His, his answers have a redshift. You know like when a car siren passes by and it's like, you know? He sounds like he's moving away. <laughs> you're part of it. You're part of it. You're complicit in it, and you're enabling it. And there's two of the pieces of it that were the most galling to me. One was this idea that there were whispers early on amongst the cabinet about invoking the 25th Amendment, but we didn't want to provoke a constitutional crisis. The term constitutional crisis has come to mean absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> It's not a constitutional crisis when you invoke an amendment to the Constitution according to the spirit and letter of the amendment. It's not a constitutional crisis if you're using the amendment for the exact purpose it was written for. That is why it is there. I'm not saying it'd be a breeze. I'm not saying it wouldn't be messy. I'm not saying it wouldn't be the shit show to end all shit show. I'm not even sure we'd survive. And I don't even know that he would leave. <laughs> it might totally not work. But that would be the crisis. That would be the constitutional crisis, not invoking the thing. That's the first part. And the second part is, there's this part of the, uh, the op-ed where he says, it's not about what Trump has done. It's about what we've allowed Trump to do to us. Hold on, I want to... <laughs> I want to get it exactly right, because it's so stupid. Hold on. <laughs> Literally going to look it up. I'm going to go, I'm Googling Times Resistance Hero. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think it'll pop up. First link. <laughs> the bigger concern is not what Mr. Trump has done to the presidency, but rather what we as a nation have allowed him to do to us. We have sunk low with him and allowed our discourse to be stripped of civility. No. <laughs> Fuck you, no. No, no. You're doing it with him to us. You're not outside of it. You're not better than it. <laughs> yeah. So to Mike Pence. <laughs> it's not Pence. Oh my God, it's not, maybe it's Pence. It's not Pence, it's Pence. It's fucking Pence. If it is Pence, if it is Pence, cool. If it is Pence, I take it all back. Because, because that's, that takes moxie. And I didn't think he had it in him. I didn't think he had it in him. I didn't think that dead-eyed zealot had it in him. That would be so cool, just knifing him, making him crazy. He's wandering around that place like Lear. I don't know what Lear is about. I hope it is Pence. I hope it is Pence, and I hope five other people take the fall. You're not a hero. You're just a shittier version of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah, you're Sarah Huckabee Sanders with a stomachache. That's what you are. Episode title? Who cares? Uh, all right. <laughs> uh, our next show, it's a very special show. We're doing it Thursday at the El Rey in Los Angeles. We're going to do a Pod Save America episode. Then we're going to do Love It or Leave It. So it's a late show. and We're going to blow it out. And you can still get tickets for that. Uh, and you should if you're going to be in L.A. And if you haven't pledged to vote yet, pledge to vote 
at votesaveamerica.com and, uh, you know, help on fuck America. We're doing it... Uh, we only get one shot at this. Only one bite at this apple. <laughs> the notes I made to myself about how to talk about that op-ed are so crazy. Uh, like, they're the, I didn't get to any of it. I have the phrase, end of history on here. And the phrase, stability and childhood. I had some deep points I was going to get to. Uh, let's welcome our panel. She is a film critic for New York Magazine and co-host of the Night Call podcast. Please welcome Emily Yoshida. Hi, Emily. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. She is a TV writer and previously a senior writer at Jezebel, and she is also a co-host of Keep It. Please welcome back to Love It or Leave It, Cara Brown. Hi, Cara. Hey there. I was on Keep It this week. It was. He was. It, was a good, it was a good episode. It was good. Yeah. It was. It was. He is the host of KCRW's All the President's Lawyers and Left, Right, and Center podcasts. He's a senior editor at Business Insider, and he'll be on tour this fall on September 20th in Santa Monica, October 11th in San Francisco, and November 7th in New York. Please welcome Josh Barrow. Hey. Hi, Josh. Hey, thanks for the long intro. No, I'm glad. You, you were basically on the stage by the time I got to the end of it. It was good. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. What a week. If you're like me, you're a messy bitch who lives for drama. Uh, and so this was quite a week. Uh, we had from Bob Woodward's book that proves everyone around Trump thinks he's an idiot to anonymous op-eds that prove everyone around Trump thinks he's an idiot. And who can forget the tough guy bro off between little boy Marco and big boy Alex Jones. But we'll get to all of it because we're going to start with one of the most important battles of Trump's term. This is the battle over the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. A lot of Democrats have done, I think, a pretty good job of sort of bringing the fight to these hearings. Uh, first of all, yesterday we saw this exchange between Kamala Harris and Brett Kavanaugh. We have a clip. Have you ever discussed special counsel Mueller or his investigation with anyone? Well, it's uh, in the news every day. I... Have you discussed it with anyone? Uh, with other judges, I know. Uh... Have you discussed Mueller or his investigation with anyone at Kasowitz, Benson, and Torres, the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, President Trump's personal lawyer? Uh, Be sure about your answer, sir. Um, well, I'm not remembering, but if you have something you want to... Are you certain you've not had a conversation with I, anyone at that law firm? Kasowitz, Benson. Kasowitz, Benson, and yeah. Torres, which is the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, yeah. who is President Trump's personal lawyer. Have you had any conversation about... Robert Mueller, or his investigation with anyone at that firm? Yes or no? Well, is there a person you're talking about? I'm asking you a very direct question, yes or no. I, I need to know the, uh, I'm not sure I know everyone who works at that law firm. I don't think you need to. Uh, and then uh, by Thursday morning, uh, some frustration was mounting among committee members about only 10% of Kavanaugh's public documents being released to the Senate committee. Previously confidential emails were leaked to the New York Times, uh, which showed Kavanaugh uh, argued in 2003 against the idea that Roe v. Wade ought to be considered settled law. And then Cory Booker leaked a series of committee confidential emails uh, that led to this moment in the committee. I, I will say that I did willingly violate the chair's rule on the committee confidential process. Uh, I take full 
responsibility for violating that, sir. And I violate it because I, I sincerely believe that the public deserves to know this nominee's record. Any senator, officer, or employee of the Senate who shall disclose the secret or confidential business or proceedings of the Senate shall be liable, if a senator, to suffer expulsion from the body and to punishment for contempt. So I would, uh, I would uh, correct the senator's statement. There is no rule. There is clearly a rule uh, that applies. Then apply Mr. the rule Chairman. and bring the charges. All right. All right. It's interesting. Interesting. You guys like that. You're into it. All right. He fights. Uh, Senator Harris, if you're nasty, with the, the disdain that drips from her voice is truly all I want to achieve in this world. Well, that I want to... Does she have something there? It's like the, it, it's a setup for something that's going to drop about, and apparently he has a friend who's one of the 300 lawyers at this firm. Uh, so are we going to learn that he talked with this person about this? Does Kamala Harris know something we don't know? I feel It feels like we've seen the setup. Yeah. We haven't seen the punchline. We don't know whether there is a punchline. Right. I believe today he said, no, he didn't discuss it with one particular lawyer. Right. But it, I find it hard to believe that she went into that confrontation just waiting for him to deny something. Well, yeah, but I also find it hard to believe that Cory Booker pretended to have broken the rules of the Senate. So I, I guess... <laughs> I guess, no, but is it, I, I believe Cory Booker is claiming that, that he was released a, a mix of documents, some of which had been previously approved and some of which hadn't. In addition, uh, the Washington Post obtained uh, leaked committee confidential documents. Uh, Kavanaugh testified to Ted Kennedy, quote, no, I was not involved in handling Bill Pryor's nomination. Bill Pryor was a controversial anti-road judge who was being nominated to the federal uh, appeals court. Later in that same testimony, Kavanaugh said, I'm not familiar generally Mr. Pryor, but that was not one that I worked on personally. But then later in some of these emails, it was revealed that he was invited to meetings around the Pryor nomination. This has led to many people to say that he has committed perjury. In addition, uh, Kavanaugh testified in multiple confirmation hearings that he did not know Republican Senate staffers had hacked and stolen Democratic emails to help the Bush White House get a leg up on the opposition to judicial fights and play no role in the scandal. I have to tell you, perusing the Kavanaugh emails today, it was like a punch in the face about all the things that made Bush terrible. <laughs> there was a, the phrase uh, a unitary executive appeared in one of Kavanaugh's emails, and I like, I was all of a sudden, I was in, two, it was 2003, I'm, 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 you know, days. But, so... <laughs> Today, Patrick Leahy uh, showed that Kavanaugh was the recipient of a number of obviously stolen Democratic materials, some of which were purported to be from a, quote, mole in an email marked, quote, spying, <laughs> and was told to handle the stolen documents with utmost secrecy. You can debate some of these other questions, but to me, it is pretty fucking glaring that around this specific issue, I think he lied around a bunch of this, but this, I think it's pretty hard to deny. Emily, what do you think? It's just too easy, though. I mean, you'd have to think that there's some code word for spying, or like, or like, you could just call it like spaghetti. Like, I don't know if there are any like Vanderpump Rules fans in this um, in this audience, but like, that's a really good, useful code word for basically anything you're not supposed to be doing, um, or pasta rather. Um, <laughs> it's pasta. I'm sorry. It's not about yeah. the pasta. It's not about the pasta. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just saying that like putting spine in the subject line just feels like it feels like a, it's 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 throwing us off the scent. I don't know. <laughs> the, yeah, it is like you know they do. I don't know. I worked at the White House. You get a little sloppy because you're emailing all day. It's a job. You get a little angry. You get a little heated. You write something you shouldn't. 
But you definitely don't put subject line spying. Here are the documents we stole from the Democrats. Don't tell anybody. This is a public record. It's going to be in a fucking library. I mean, I know for me, I get a lot of anxiety about writing emails, and sometimes I try to, like, write a clever headline just to, like, grab somebody's attention. But, you know, at, around 5 o'clock, you know, when it's kind of the end of the day and you're kind of on, running on fumes, like, you, you kind of threw cleverness out the window. And you're just like, what's this email about? Like, spine. Okay, fine. Whatever. I can go home now. So, <laughs> Kara, uh, there was, I think... You could put the news, I think, that came out of today, uh, two big chunks of it. One was around these questions of whether or not Kavanaugh is honest. The other is around uh, emails he wrote related to Roe and around racial profiling in security and and, and, uh, policing. Uh, What did you make of these two fronts? Susan Collins said that basically she wasn't convinced by what he said about Roe. Like, what did you make of the revelations today? I think he hates women and he's racist. I think that's, uh, that's all I gleaned from, uh, from those emails. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was to the point. Uh, well, there's not that much to think about. I think yeah, like for women and people of color, there's not that much to think about in all yeah. this. I don't peruse that much of this news because nope. I know the bottom line. Yeah. Like, Do- doesn't take much, nope. which is maybe a surprise to all of them who think that they're couching the uh, all of these thoughts and things. It's like, nope, it's... Pretty easy to suss out, a lot easier than you might think it is. (laughs) Josh, uh, so we did see Susan Collins, I think, talk her way out of caring about the Roe email where, you know, he has claimed it's settled law in his conversations with her in this email he tried to take out the claim that it was settled law. I think it's a interesting and revealing, but but a little squishy. Well, what he took out, and this is a legalistic parsing, but then this is a judicial nomination hearing, what he took out was a claim that all legal scholars believe that it is settled law. And so the line has been, well, that's not true. There are legal scholars who disagree with that. And I think it's something for Susan Collins to fall back on and say, well, this was not a claim about his own view or the administration's view. It was a claim about the views of all legal scholars. But I think, you know, stepping back, what you're saying there's not a lot to suss out is absolutely right in the sense that, like, he's a conservative judicial nominee and you have a Republican majority in the Senate and what they want is a conservative judge on the court and Democrats do not want a conservative judge on the court. And that's all anybody cares about. About here. And then you have this ridiculous process where you go and you pretend that we care about what's in some specific email or all of these things when really it's about the way he's going to rule on the court and the whole process, which is fundamentally a political process that Republicans will win because they have a majority in the Senate. Then we pretend it's a conversation about all of these other things when it's really fundamentally about how he's going to vote on the court. Right. And, and a lot of this is a dance in that Democrats are trying to raise concerns in order to make it unpalatable to support him, not teach us something about him. Right, but the weird thing then is that those concerns are about all these ancillary issues. In a lot, in a lot of cases, they're also raising concerns about, the, about how he'll vote, but it's like the, the, the concerns about that we haven't seen enough of his emails, we're not really going to fundamentally learn anything from seeing more of the emails. The concern is how he's going to vote. Right, well, that raises the question. So what do you think at this point it would take to get Collins and Murkowski to at the very least, express doubts about voting for Kavanaugh. You'd need some sort of significant misconduct, I think. Yeah, you need I, a revelation, you need new information. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Is that Emma, a quiz? What? Was that a quiz? No, no, it was a... <laughs> sure, yeah, 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 it was a quiz. Yeah. It was a quiz, and the answer, he got it right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Emily, 
I found myself as I'm watching the hearing, to Josh's point, because a lot of this is theater, I find myself, even just in paying attention, finding it difficult to tell the difference between what's important and what's not because you have one group of people whose job it is to say this doesn't matter and another group of people whose job it is to say this matters totally. Mm -hmm. Do you find that in watching the hearings and do you think that it's hard for people watching this unfold make sense of what's really going on? It's like trying to solve a mystery that we already know who killed who <laughs> there's there's not it's it's it is a lot of kind of just play acting this or going through the steps and i think that for the small portion of people watching who are undecided on how they feel about the major issues and ways that he's going to vote barring some kind of major revelation about misconduct or something like that i don't think anybody's looking to be surprised yeah. by anything that's going on here. And, and then in the meantime, there's all these opportunities for people to have their hero moment. So I don't know. Yeah. Spartacus is everywhere you look. <laughs> Too many Spartacuses. Spartaki. Spartaki? <laughs> it is me. I am Spartacus, the one running for president. All right. <laughs> now they're doing well in the hearing. I'll make fun of Cory Booker another day. <laughs> Let him have this one. All right. When we come back, okay, stop. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This podcast is brought to you by Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Americans United defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms and even democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. While Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs, Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU's work at au.org slash crooked. That's au.org slash crooked. Make fun of him now. I mean, hey, man, dial it down 15 fucking percent. It's not dinner theater. You don't have to make it big enough so the people at the buffet can hear you. Sir, I speak now in defiance of the rules of the Senate. For I believe that we must learn the truth about Kavanaugh, and if I should perish for having done so, I gladly lay my body down on the dais. For in this email, he makes several problematic comments steeped in legalese so that their import is buried and ultimately not that effective. This, this makes me good, realize. That's good. That's good. Yeah. He's now maybe we have to leave it yeah. in. <laughs> and we're back. Now it's time for OK Stop. We'll roll a clip, and the panel can say, okay, stop at any point to comment. Earlier this week, Nike released an ad featuring Colin Kaepernick in the phrase, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. The bridge trolls over at Fox and Friends, what do you think they thought about it? <laughs> Let's watch. Nike lost some money initially. <laughs> okay, stop. <on> this. <laughs> there, is, there is a stern-looking man... <laughs> in a pinstripe suit, an enormous tie, 
and I just immediately can't trust him, so I love that he's about to speak. So here's what I think happened. There were two lines into Fox. One was for auditions to play Guy Masterson. Uh, Scott, Sky Masterson. Uh, in Guys and Dolls. Uh, the other was to be racist on Fox News. And at some point, this guy got on the right line. Yeah. <laughs> and they roll out a 60-second ad. They have LeBron James in it. They have Serena Williams in it and other great players. They talk about dreaming to be being the best. Does Colin Kaepernick belong in that category? No, I absolutely do not think so. In fact, Nike should rename wait, their ad for, you know, Wait, stop. Is, he's, oh, no, good, he's not, good you, you described him, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, you described him earlier as, as stern, but is he not, like, holding back laughter? Oh, yeah, no, actually, I, I'm, I was wrong about that. As soon as he opened his mouth, he sounds like he's, he's... Like he is yeah. on the brink of laughter for some reason? What are they, what are they feeding them in the also, green room? Also, who is this? I, who I is yeah, who is this man? This? Here's, here's they don't what? even put, they don't have room for his name anymore. He does, he actually does not have a name. Uh, I think it's exciting. It tells you just how hard this fight is for them because you know that this is not the first person they called. <laughs> like this marble mouth weirdo. Like, I don't know who it is, but we're gonna find out. I, I think he has the enormous tie because his neck is as wide as his head and he needs it in order to, to create a sense of proportion. Is, uh, is he an athlete? Do you know who he is? You seem like you look like you knew. Anybody know who this person is? Nobody knows who he is. Any, 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 he's Guy Masterson, okay. Face everything, even if it means our stock price, frankly. I think they swung and missed on this one because I, I think they've. Okay, stop! It says he is a former basketball player. <laughs> his name is his name is Brock Gillespie, which sounds made up. Does it, <laughs> does it count if you play at like the YMCA or the LA Fitness? It doesn't say what is, country. Is that it doesn't what they say mean? What they country. don't say what country. They don't even say professional or amateur. They just say any of us could be a former basketball player. I mean, this player. guy is hundred percent teaching like health classes at a high school somewhere. Oh, it says right pro, now. it says pro. Okay. Well, still, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> They've gone about this the same way I think the folks running the Hillary Clinton campaign did. Is you know <laughs> they've just misassessed Middle America, and you know this is again the elites trying to make up for something that, you know, frankly, Nike has had some lawsuits um, in recent history uh, as okay, far stop. as... <laughs> that phrase is amazing. <laughs> frankly, Nike has had some lawsuits in recent history. <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to bring it up, but he, he must be frank. Is he talking about sweatshops or what no he's not he's not at all what is he <laughs> i would like to say that i found to be the funniest thing about this when people are like nike's never done anything this terrible they had children making yeah. sneakers in like caves yeah they've done worse things than this guys which is also why i'm hesitant to be like nike is now the brand of the resistance the now you get time. the fuck off this yeah. stage <laughs> You get the hell off of here. Look what I got. I put these on. These are Nike shoes. Because you know why? I love my country. I really thought about wearing some Nike today. I almost wore a bootleg Nike shirt that I got in Japan because I felt like that was the right statement to send. But I didn't, that's as close as I was going to get to repping the brand. You know, they're trying to swing it back in their favor, but this, like I said, this is not the way to go about it. I mean, and frankly, if they want to make a, an ad about sacrificing, why don't they go all the way? If this is Nike, put Jesus on there. <laughs> this is a situation. Okay, <laughs> Can you imagine that campaign? 
So I, I think it's worth unpacking that. Yeah. Um, so Frankly. I also like that in the midst of this interview in which he's supposed to be attacking Colin Kaepernick, he's like, Colin Kaepernick, he's only 10% of the way to Jesus. <laughs> like, th th think about the meaning of it. It's like, go all the way with it. Someone who's even better at sacrificing for a worthy and noble endeavor. Jesus. Please, God, I hope that we get a Nike commercial. With Jesus Christ strolling out of that cave. Yeah. The two in sets some of footprints. Fresh ass Air Force Ones. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise the haters. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> Middle fingers up, just ready to go. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice your only son. Just do it. <laughs> this, this just totally out there for Nike. And frankly, for myself, I've lived in 14 countries. Okay, stop. Yep. Okay. He does not play basketball in America. <laughs> he, is, he is one of the best Lithuanian basketball players around. Five continents, and I can tell you, if Colin Kaepernick thinks the United States is a bad place and a very discriminatory nation to live in, then I suggest he get a passport and travel around the globe. And I think he okay, have stop. a... Okay, <laughs> stop. This is very rude to the 14 countries that hosted him to play professional basketball. They're way more racist. Yeah, like, look at these shitholes where I was sent to play basketball. Also, there, I, I know none of us in here know who this guy is, but there is a bar somewhere in Lithuania where they're all like, it's Brock Gillespie, oh no! <laughs> There's like five people with Brock Gillespie jersey being like, I didn't know he was so racist. <laughs> I just love the way he plays the game. <laughs> appreciation for what we stand for here in this country. Ooh. That was a ride. That was great. There was like an arc there. We solved yeah. the mystery at the end. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, do we need to say all the obvious reasons? I don't think so. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick's good. Nike is good. Is that it? Goodish. Yeah. All right. Col yeah. Colin One Kaepernick's good. Three, Nike's better than it could be. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Colin Kaepernick is good. Don't put too much stock one way or another into the interests of giant multinational corporations that are making decisions based on what's in the interest of their executives and shareholders. Take pride in the fact that we've created enough pressure and a cosmopolitan elite that makes it clear to the executives and employees of Nike that it is better to be on the right side of history. And then ask yourself, how is it possible that we've as a nation, created a system in which we can create pressure that makes giant self-interested corporations behave responsibly, while politicians have seen a total er erosion in any pain or any price to be paid for any form of malfeasance or shamelessness. That's my question. I don't know. Nike well, for president, right? What if corporations were actually better this pe than people this entire time? <laughs> <laughs> Twist. <laughs> the, the government you would have if politicians cared about the same demographics as consumer product companies would be a much better and different government because the, it's basically completely backwards. You have, you know, they mostly care about younger consumers because they're more, especially an athletic apparel company. Um, that's why, you know, TV ratings are reported as 25, 54, 18, 49. Um, consumer trends start in big cities and move out. This is what's driving
driving conservatives crazy about the sort of hegemony that liberals have over increasing aspects of culture, including a lot of the corporate sector, at least in this sort of branding stuff. It's because the, the customers that they're marketing to are disproportionately liberal, and those liberal customers increasingly care about exactly this sort of signaling. And you get this. I, w- I was on MSNBC a few months ago when Delta was having its spat with the NRA. And remember, the, the legislature took away some tax break on jet fuel at the Atlanta airport. And there was some liberal pundit on there basically saying, if Delta wants their tax break, you give them their tax break. And it's like, since when did that become a liberal agenda item? Yeah, it's, um, I, yeah this is part of the problem of trying to fight this war through brands. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in some ways it is a dystopian future of corporations with rainbow flags during Pride Month underpaying their employees. <laughs> like, that is, you know, it's just like... Isn't that the present? Yeah, that, no, I, right. I'm saying that's the dystopia we live in. That's, that's okay. in it. You're right, yes. That is, that is right now. It is, it is happy Pride, no benefits. <laughs> I will say I am happy, not to give Nike too much credit, but I'm really happy that this commercial is going to air at the beginning of like, the NFL season because fuck the NFL. So... <laughs> And, and also, I, I want to make a non-cynical point about it because, uh, sincerely, I do think it's important when a company like Nike, which is a symbol of America, America is, you know, <laughs> America is a lot of things, but one of it is the culture we create. And Nike is a big part of the culture we create. And it is important that the companies that symbolize America, that represent America, that we interact with every single day are on the right side of these issues. We can pretend it's not important, but one lesson of Trump is we need to look around and say, what are the things that... Sp- speak for America, and what are they saying? And Nike does speak for us, like it or not, and I think it's a really good thing that they looked at this issue and they didn't want to be on the wrong side of it and regret having missed their chance to do the right thing. So I actually do think it's a really good thing. That's all. Um, All right. When we come back, we're going to play a game about the Bob Woodward book. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. And we're back! This week has been stupid. Uh, (laughs) We've got people seeing white power signs everywhere. (laughs) Why don't they have a better sign, by the way? You know what? Fuck them for thinking they can take okay away from us. I'm saying. I like okay. It's a useful thing, especially when you're doing scuba. Like, (laughs) imagine you signal to somebody under the water that you're that your air filters are all good, and they're like, I'm going to drown this racist. (laughs) (laughs) But also, the president's own staffers are writing op-eds saying that he's a moron, and Bob Woodward released the 4,000th tell-all book of this administration. (laughs) But Bob Woodward is not Omarosa, all right? He's not Michael Wolff. He's Bob fucking Woodward. (laughs) And he came out swinging. There's a ton of juicy stuff in this book, and a ton of people ratting each other out and the shit they say about Donald Trump and each other behind their backs. So uh, we thought we'd play a game called Woodward or Real Housewives. (laughs) 
Would someone out there like to play the game? What's your name? Vinny. Vinny? Hi, Vinny. Hi. Where are you from, Vinny? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And are you not sure? Yeah, I live here now. You live here now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Vinny, I'm going to read quotes from either the book or The Real Housewives, and you will have to tell us whether it comes from Woodward, about the Trump White House, or from a character on Real Housewives. Great. Are you ready? Yes. They're going to come fast and furiously. None of you has ever leaked. Everybody leaks. Woodward. No, Vicky. Real, Real Housewives of Orange oh, County. Oh, I remember that. What the fuck is a sociopath? Like a crazy person? Housewives. Yep, Teresa. Uh, I've never seen a worse defense of me in my life. They took your diaper off right there. You're like a little baby that needs to be changed. When are you going to be a man? Woodward? Woodward. Yes. Tr <laughs> Trump to Giuliani. When you put a snake and a rat and a falcon and a rabbit and a shark and a seal in a zoo without any walls, things start to get nasty and bloody. Woodward. Woodward, that's previous. I'm not trying to empower you, I'm trying to destroy you. Housewives. Yep, that's Siggy from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Costa Rica is in Mexico, so it's south. Housewives. <laughs> yeah. This guy is mentally retarded. He's this dumb southerner. Woodward. Yep, that's on Sessions from Trump. It's a bit of a shame because I was the Ernest Hemingway of 140 characters. Housewives? No, that's Trump on Twitter expanding to 280 characters. You fucking moron. Hemingway is the Hemingway of 140 characters. He's the pithy one. You could be the Hemingway of writing longer things, but you can't be the Hemingway of 140 characters. You could be the Hemingway of Twitter. You've never read a fucking Hemingway book. Name one book, Trump. Name one Hemingway book. Tell me one thing about The Sun Also Rises. Tell me one thing about it. What is it about? One thing about it. Say the word bulls to me, Trump. Say bulls. Do you remember that there are bulls in it? You fucking moron. All right. Agreed. <laughs> He's an idiot. It's pointless to try to convince him of anything. He's gone off the rails. We're in crazy town. Um, Woodward? Yep, that's General Kelly. I want cheese ravioli, salad with house dressing, no tomato, that cannoli filling, and a Diet Coke. Ooh, housewives. Yep, that's Kim. You should be killing guys. You don't need a strategy to kill people. Woodward. Yep, that is Trump to his generals. If that was me, I would have taken that resignation lever letter and shoved it up his ass six different times. Woodward. Woodward, that's General Kelly. You're both white trash, frankly. Housewives. Yep. I'm alone on Scary Island with no friends. <laughs> Woodward. No, that's Kelly. <laughs> Real Housewives of New York. If you can't be my friend, just please don't be my enemy. Housewives. Yep, that's Taylor and the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Let me tell you something about my family. We're as thick as thieves and we protect each other till the end. Housewives. Yep, Caroline, New Jersey. Money can't buy you class. Housewives. Countess Luann. What is this show? Is Housewives. Royalty? <laughs> I'm never going to be staff. Woodward? Yep, that is Ivanka to Steve Bannon. Yeah. Vinny, you yes. did wonderfully. You've Thank won you won the game. Thank you. And a parachute gift card. Give it up for Vinny. Before we go to the next game, I wanted to talk a minute about this Bob Woodward book. Again, I feel as though we're over and over again being exposed to the same set of facts in different forms, and yet each time it's surprising. Josh, what'd you make of the book? Well, so I, first of all, I actually, I feel bad for Bob Woodward in that Michael Wolf beat him to market. 
because how many of these books do you really need? But the thing is, the way Michael Wolff beat him to market is that Michael Wolff is not really a reporter as such. And so that book was very sloppy, and he was able to, like, you know, yeah, plausible enough, throw it in, let's publish it. Whereas, like, Woodward will have the more accurate yet pretty similar sounding because it's easy to make up plausible stuff about Trump that is very similar to the things that actually happened. Um, so, you know, this is probably the book that people should read, but I think a lot of people will have read Fire and Fury, and maybe they read Omarosa's book, and they're like, do I really need another thing yeah. that tells me the slightly more accurate version of the thing I already knew? Actually, as you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Kara, what do you think? I feel bad because it's not funny, like, on a global level, but that shit is funny. <laughs> I know it's not going to change anything. It's not really that helpful. But like reading quotes where they're just like this fucking idiot. Like you know they just turn the corner and they're like, "Can you believe how goddamn stupid he is?" And I just I'm going to take it because I feel like we have so little else. No, I I agree. I agree. We're going to allow ourselves to appreciate it because what else are we going to do? Exactly. <laughs> Emily, one other piece of this is there is a lot of news in the book. Someone pointed out that there's just a aside in this book about after Trump winning Mark Meadows in the House saying, let's get Paul Ryan, we can take him out right now. That basically there is a sect of the House, of the Republicans in the House, that really did view Trump as permission. So to Kara's point, this really is about deeper, frightening truths about what's going on inside the White House. What do you think? Well, the way that this is going to reach the general public and people who won't even read the book is that it'll be taken, like, there will be news items that are published around, like, the bigger revelations in it, right? So the people who are going to read the book are people who are going to enjoy the experience of reading the book. And I don't, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> like, I, I just, I worry anytime I find myself taking joy in how fucked up it all is. Um, I, I worry about the entertainment factor, even when I find myself getting seduced by it, and I kind of tend to be very circumspect about how much I actually intake of that, because the more that I feel like I'm watching it like a TV show, I know that everybody else is watching it way more like a TV show, so. I mean, I don't know, Kara, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, this book comes out, it doesn't come out, nothing is different. No. Is, yeah. So I think that's where it's like, it, it literally does not matter at all. Um, I hear what you're saying, because I, the thing is, I know that I can find it funny and also very much like sit in the reality of what is happening. I know that I can do that, and I can do both of those because I know myself and I know what I'm thinking. But you know, if someone is just taking it as entertainment value, which probably a lot of people are, like that is certainly a problem, but I only know how how I'm taking it. Yeah. I mean, there is some news in here that fundamentally matters and we should care about. I mean, there's the episode that I, I think you read a quote about uh, with basically the president ordering Jim Mattis to just, you know, get Assad killed right. and, like, just go kill right. him. You know, you don't need to... And then, the according to the book, then Mattis gets off the phone and says to the uh, assembled, you know, military officers in the room, well, we're not going to do any of that. Um, and, like, under normal circumstances, it would be alarming if military generals are ignoring what the president is telling them to do. That's not how, how the Constitution says it's supposed to work. And in this instance, it is reassuring, sort of, 
Um, but that's important information if, and you know, the Mattis has denied, uh, uh, well, actually, no, I don't, I don't think Mattis has specifically denied that. He's denied no, he's insulting, insulting the him. president. They're, they're denying the specific word choices around yes. insulting the president while not denying the facts of the book. Right, and so, like, in a normal world, you'd think the more important question would be, is the military disobeying the orders of the commander-in-chief rather than did the secretary of defense call the president a moron or whatever? And yet, because it's Trump and it's all about, you know, his own personal image and ego, the important thing is whether he was called a moron. Right. Yeah. right. Well, it's Which like, is weird. It's a revelation that we're depending on a certain level of dysfunction to <laughs> like keep a greater level of dysfunction from occurring, which I feel like in the long run, given that we may or may not have another president after this in this country, <laughs> like, ha- like the system feels like it's been permanently broken by, you know, just process-wise, like because of this sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, look, we are not the first country to have for... (laughs) This is our version of a mad king. And these are the courtiers around a mad king running shit while maintaining their own power. This is an organization with a weak figurehead and a bunch of feckless, morally depraved and ambitious people and a few people who are making bad choices while sincerely believing it's their job to stop bad things, and I think it's worth noting that too, are effectively allowing there to be two governments at once. The one that emanates from Trump's utterances, which should carry the force of the administration because all the power in the executive branch flows from him, and a more functional administration run by people who were not elected and um, who would rather continue this status quo despite the inherent small risk of total calamity than do the hard thing of coming together as a group and finding a way to stop it, right? I mean, Josh, what do you think? Well, maybe they're stopping it too, right? I mean, that's the Jim Mattis proposition, right? Like, there's a lot of people that I think you can ask about, you know, should, ought they to resign for morally, but like, Jim Mattis is the person I wake up in the morning and I'm pleased that he is still in the administration because I worry, you know, I worry about what's in the tail. I worry about a nuclear exchange with North Korea or somebody else, and I think that, you know, having people in there who prevent that is worth a great deal and is worth putting up with a lot of stuff that's farther out in the tail that's not as bad as, you know, everybody dying. Right. And I think, too, one yeah. of the things we see... Yes. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the pieces of this that's simply an unknown, which I think is why it's a debate, is what we don't know is how effective would it be if the cabinet came together as a group and said, we are invoking the 25th Amendment, we believe Trump must be removed, and they sent it to Congress. Uh, I think it's... We don't know. How quickly are they going to... I mean, because literally, if the president gets wind that they're doing that, he can just fire them all. Well, I mean, the the usual 25th Amendment case involves, like, a president who's in a coma or something. I realize that's not the only thing it can be used for. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. But, like, you know, literally, they they have to sneak up on him. Well, they're stealing papers from his desk that he doesn't even notice are gone. (laughs) I I feel they might be able to get a secret meeting together. Yeah, I mean, look. It's... (laughs) Well, it's... So I actually was gaming this out uh, one day when I um, didn't want to think about the reality of our existence. And I do believe that if you coordinate with Congress, you can get it done in 15 minutes. Because if, if you have, if, because the cabinet invokes and then you need two votes, one of the House, one of the Senate. What if like Linda McMahon is loyal to the president? You call her and you're like, we're coming, we're going to have the 25th Amendment meeting. And she calls the president and goes, no, fire them all. They're coming for you. Like, look, I- Again, first of all, you're talking about an awesome episode. Um, 
<laughs> Have you seen Succession? That literally <laughs> happened in Succession. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is stupid. Okay. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to play a game about socialism. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. And we're back. (laughs) Socialism. Like Nike's female superheroes and confronting the dangerous myths told about the Civil War for a century, it's very on trend right now and making some on the right antsy. That was too complicated. (laughs) We've seen democratic socialists like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez energize the democratic base. We've seen a lot of fear-mongering around Medicare for all and the idea of social democracy more generally. Uh, And often you hear from conservatives, do you want America to be Venezuela? Look at Venezuela. Venezuela is in crisis, but I, I think it's bullshit to try and scare Americans away from a state that provides for the social welfare of its people by suggesting that all roads lead to Caracas. They don't, because some roads lead to Oslo. Uh, <laughs> and so in this game, we will be presenting facts about a country, and you will have to guess whether the given fact is about the United States, Venezuela, or Norway. Would someone out there like to play the game? Hi, what's your name? I'm Annie. Annie, how are you? Good, good. I'm so excited to be here. And where are you from? I live here now, but I'm from Pennsylvania as well, actually. (laughs) It's a coup. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to present you with a fact. It will be your job to decide whether it is the U.S., Venezuela, or Norway. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's go. In 2009, oil made up 80% of this country's export revenue. Venezuela. Correct. In 2014, this country budgeted $5 million for opposition activities and propaganda against Venezuela's democratically elected government. U.S. Yes. Prescription drug prices in this country have increased dramatically in just the last few years. U.S. Venezuela. Uh, This country's maternal mortality rate is six times higher than Norway's. Venezuela. United States. In recent years, this country's government has steadily decreased its spending on public health care. U.S. Venezuela. Among comparable developed nations, this country has the highest rate of deaths from preventable diseases or complications. U.S. Correct. In this country, a citizen's annual out-of-pocket payment for health care is capped at $460. Norway. Correct. This country is ranked 31st in terms of life expectancy. U.S. Correct. This country's healthcare outcomes are the third best in the world. Norway. Correct. In this country, undocumented children have the same access to healthcare as citizens. Norway. Correct. The percentage of this country's population that does not have health insurance is higher than every other high-income country. U.S. Correct. As a percentage of GDP, this country's healthcare expenditure is roughly half that of the U.S. Norway. Correct. The citizens of this country think arepas are delicious. <laughs> Oh, I could go anyway. Uh, Venezuela, but also Incru- like U.S. Inc- correct. <laughs> All the countries. I mean, arepas are delicious. People in Norway like arepas, too. Annie, you've won the game, sort of. <laughs> and a parachute gift card. When we come back, the rant wheel. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. for the rant wheel here's how it works we spin the wheel we rant on whatever topic it lands upon this week on the wheel we have bob woodward we have uh dipping chicken fingers in diet coke we have the white power hand signal twitter sleuths mosquitoes in la a sex offender in the movie the predator women directors conservative hypocrisy on the first amendment and a quarantined plane let's spin the wheel It has landed on white power hand signal Twitter sleuths. So during the first day of the Kavanaugh hearings, there was a woman sitting behind, uh, Brett, soccer dad Kavanaugh, uh, who at one point scratched her arm and then rested her hand on her arm in a way that suggested, that hinted at an okay sign. So, you know, the... The okay sign. I can't make it anymore. I'll be fucking banished from the internet. But the, uh, <laughs> all of these people just immediately jumped to the conclusion that she was flashing a white power sign during the hearing without knowing who she was, knowing anything about her, knowing how she got there. It was so fucking stupid. And in general, I am very sick of Twitter sleuths combing through the fucking photos in the news with the red string and the theories... What a dumb waste of fucking time. And when they were exposed because they were like, no. First of all, she's, I believe, half Jewish, half Mexican, and not somebody who did that or would do that. <laughs> there were all these people who were like, yeah, but she could have done it. <laughs> she's complicit. No apology. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there making white power signs and who feel liberated and free to do it now. There are a lot of people who are normalizing uh, white nationalist sentiment. They do have inroads in the White House. There are people, uh, Stephen Miller and his acolytes. There was just a person at DHS who was revealed to be someone who goes to dinners where they refer to being Jewish free. There have been people at the Charlottesville protests who turned out to be members of the military and members of the government. It is a serious accusation and an important accusation. It becomes more important to be right because it's happening, not less important. The fact that these people who now feel as though they are safe and now have quarter in the government means you should be fucking careful when you make the accusation because it needs to count. That, that was what I took away from that. You know what I like about uh, white supremacy? <laughs> uh, is how it like immediately undermines itself. Like when Donald Trump calls like LeBron James dumb, like he thinks he's a better human than LeBron James. And also with the sign is how easily it's confused for something else. Like when someone throws up a West Side, you know what they mean. When they throw up H-Town, you know they're talking about Houston. The thing they came up with Nobody knows what the fuck that is. That's so confusing. Also, it means like two different th things in other right. languages. Right, they picked a thing that it already yeah. is a thing. Yeah. I feel like they feel a little bit left out about having 
a scavenger hunt, like a QAnon type scavenger hunt to go on. <laughs> and I understand that. I think it's fun to have like a project. I, <laughs> I always, I always try to have little projects going on, but um, I'm sympathetic. But <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 did not go uh, the way they wanted it to. <laughs> I mean, but. The- the point with the okay sign with the like the the alt right figures who were doing it originally was sort of essentially to cause exactly this sort of thing which because it also means something else they could do it and then people would be like and and people would say that's why power sign they'd be like don't be ridiculous that's just an okay sign and the thing is that like that then these twitter sleuths have exactly played into what that they were looking for that now because like Mike Cernovich and a couple of other people did this once behind the white house podium then you have people looking on twitter for anyone who puts their hands like this and it does indeed make these liberals look crazy in exactly the way that they were trying to get inside people's heads to begin with. And so it's yeah. like when everyone used to wear white capes and <laughs> so they blend it in. So that's I'm just, why they picked I'm that. just going to a party in the Hamptons. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Labor Day yet. I mean what else am I supposed to wear? All right, let's spin it again. It has landed on a sex offender in The Predator. Why we did not grab the low-hanging fruit of Predator in The Predator, (laughs) I don't know. I regret it, but Kara, this was your suggestion. So, as far as I can tell, there's a movie coming out called The Predator, which is about a mean alien with dreadlocks. I don't, that's all I can tell that it's about. Um, but the director is a man named Shane Black, I believe. And so basically the this, this story broke where he had cast his buddy in the movie and they find out he's a registered sex offender who spent six fucking months in jail for soliciting a 14-year-old on the goddamn internet. And you know who figured it out? Olivia Munn, who was in the movie with him. Women again, having to do all the goddamn work. And... What I love is that originally this guy was in the movie and he, the director released a statement that was like, you know, he explained it to me. It was a misunderstanding. Um, And then now he's like, I was misled. And let me tell you something. If one of my friends goes to jail for six months for soliciting a 14-year-old, I have questions from the jump. From the very beginning, he was like, I've now read the affidavit. I've seen that this was... He really did do it. Why didn't you ask that from the very beginning? You just believed what he said when he pled guilty. And really, I just feel like these fucking dudes, you have shitty friends. You know they're shitty. You know they're awful. You know they're rapists. You know they're fucking predators. Stop hiring them. Stop being their friends. Stop after the fact saying, oh, yeah, that was weird. That was, oh yeah, he was kind of creepy. That girl did say he raped her, but I mean, he's my friend. This happens all the time. Fucking stop it. You know they're bad people. You know they're awful, and you're part of the fucking problem when you don't expunge them from your fucking life. Be done with it. Let's spin it again. It has landed on women directors, and Emily is here to uh, come out against. (laughs) (laughs) Too too emotional. (laughs) Um, No, okay, so so I was a little bit nervous about doing this show because I have been... uh, 
in Italy the last week at the Venice Film Festival. And if you ever want to get completely protected from the news and not have any of it enter your consciousness, go to a film festival in Italy. It's just like you're on another planet entirely. But some of the problems still exist there that exist here. Um, and I think Venice had one film out of 21 in its competition that was directed by a woman this year. Um, just to give you some comparison, Toronto is uh, just started today, or no, yesterday. Uh, and I think they're at 33% in their um, competition. Again, not great, not parody, but like they're trying. And there's a group called the 5050 by 2020 group that is uh, trying to push for parody by the year 2020 and all the major international film festivals. Uh, they campaigned at Cannes and there was a big thing you might have seen where Kate Blanchett and a bunch of people got up on some steps and they got them to sign for this agreement for transparency and, and trying to get more uh, women in the festival. But um, Alberto Barbera, who's the director, I'm sorry, I'm getting so inside baseball, but this is where I've been for the past week. Um, Alberto Barbera, who's the director of the, the Venice Film Festival, uh, hesitantly agreed to some of these this, this protocol, but also made the statement that uh, he would never agree to a quota. He would quit his job before uh, he agreed to a quota, which I just find to be like the most precious and and <laughs> melodramatic thing to say. Like you have one of the most influential jobs in film. Like that's like a nice job to be the director of the Venice Film Festival. And the mere idea of a quota, not, not even like saying what the quota would be, you would quit your job over it at every festival. The North American ones are doing better on the whole, but a lot of the European ones um, consistently say it's quality that they're judging first, as if like a group of men has an idea of quality that is uh, inherently uh, objective and infallible, and you hear this over and over and over again, and it's, it's insane. So congratulations to Jennifer Kent, uh, who directed The Babadook and has, is the one woman with a film in the competition there. Um, I heard that somebody uh, at, at her premiere, uh, when she was showing up and they clapped for her, some journalist from, I think, the UK or something yelled whore at her. What? So um, that's the kind of treatment that you're getting at these festivals, even if you're fucking Jennifer Kent, who directed like one of the most popular horror movies in the last four years. But That um, seems... Yeah. I wasn't there for it. I don't like that. Wrong. No. <laughs> yeah. Very much beyond the pale. Yeah. In a way that does not make there sense. There was also, uh, this is another hot moment at Venice. This did happen while I was there. A guy on the red carpet for Suspiria, some like Italian troll that luckily oh, we don't yeah. have to think about at all, showed up on the red carpet with a shirt that said Harvey Weinstein is innocent with like his fucking little troll Berlusconi pals like on his side, like giggling and pointing to the shirt. People are wilding out in Italy. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is what I've learned. I will add only this. Kate Blanchett has some nerve standing up there when she loves Woody Allen uh, and has shown no remorse and no interest in adjusting her behavior. End of thought. Well, she just, she just didn't know about any of that stuff. She doesn't ask about people's personal lives. Yeah, yeah, Kara. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. She should ask her friends, too. She, sh she should ask her friends. Everyone should get better friends, I think, in general. <laughs> also, like, a lot of famous people, I'm like, you should just have better friends. You'd avoid a lot of bullshit. Also, if you have shitty friends, I think we all have a couple shitty friends. Maybe not 
shitty friends who uh, molest people, hopefully. <laughs> but if you do have shitty friends of any sort, don't hire them on your project. Like, that feels like avoidable. You know, I think also if you have like a, a friend who's maybe like a middle class white guy who was convicted of a felony, he's guilty. They don't send them away on bullshit. He did it. He definitely did it. Didn't get railroaded. He did it. Pretty much it. Yeah. The jinx did it. Yeah. Spin it. Do another. It has landed on conservative hypocrisy around social media and the First Amendment. Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so you, you mentioned earlier uh, Alex Jones screaming at or near Marco Rubio <laughs> in the Capitol this week. You had other right-wing media figures like Laura Loomer there to beg the government to protect them from private companies that they think are not being nice to them when they try to post on their websites. And it used to be that conservatives understood that you don't really want the government too involved in these sorts of things because when the government starts telling people you know, what kind of content they have to post, it might in the future make decisions you don't like. It might even be run by people who disagree with you on things. It used to be 30 years ago there was the thing called the Fairness Doctrine that required broadcasters, if they broadcast something that had an opinion on one side, they had to give equal time to the other side, it made it a lot harder to do political programming. And it used to be the conservatives were very opposed to this because this was bad for for, for political talk radio, which is a key outlet for them. And so, and, and they understood that you want a free market in these sorts of things for a number of reasons. Um, and yet now, it's not just these fringe figures, but then you have the Trump administration, you have Jeff Sessions calling a meeting of state attorneys general to find ways to hold social media sites accountable for the way that they are mistreating conservatives. This is not a problem for the government to fix. This is something, you know, if the market is not being nice to you, kind of tough shit, you have no constitutional right to post on Facebook. Twitter doesn't have to allow you to have an account. These things are not public utilities. And it used to be a conservative position to say that these things were not public utilities. But now, because they've completely abandoned the pretense of the idea that they are a free market party, they are Trump's party, and Trump you know, likes businesses that are nice to him and doesn't like businesses that are mean to him, it sort of makes sense to all these people that you would have the government come in and tell these sites what to do. And it's, it's ridiculous, and it's definitely not conservative. Yeah, certainly. And I also... <laughs> oh, you guys want to you want to talk about regulating big tech? Let's talk about their monopolistic practices. No, you don't talk about that. Let's talk about net neutrality. No, you don't want to talk about that. You want a regulation that just has to say Alex Jones is allowed. That's it. Just one line. <laughs> That's what you're worried about. That's what's keeping you up at night. Spin it again. <laughs> It has landed on dipping chicken fingers in Diet Coke. This is a good place to leave it. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a video circulating of a lovely woman at some sort of a sporting event. I believe she was surrounded by children, and she was eating chicken fingers, and she used her own Diet Coke as like a dipping sauce and eat them. You know what? There was a guy named Steve Jobs. And he looked at the world and he said, think different. <laughs> and then this woman came along. She is the Steve Jobs of dipping chicken into, 
into artificially sweetened beverages. I think it is innovative. I think it is basically sugar-free honey. It's a great idea. And also, to put this in larger context, in general, I think we're all a bit too persnickety about mixing foods. So a lot of people are like, these two foods don't go well together. I actually, to be honest, have very rarely come across two foods that don't go well together. I think it's all bullshit. I think it's all bullshit. I think that when you eat a bite of a sandwich and take a bite of dessert, it's good. It's always good. You're never, you never like start vomiting if you accidentally combine two different parts of your plate incorrectly. When everyone's always like, oh, this pairs well with a red wine or a white wine, like what are you fucking talking about? I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get pairing. I don't get thinking it's gross to dip your food in soda. I think everything goes well together. And I think this woman should be applauded for her innovation. What? What? Why is ketchup? Ketchup makes sense, but, but Diet Coke doesn't make sense. It's fucking bunch of you, uh, sheep you are. Oh, you dip your food into what big food tells you to dip it into. You see these studies? The oats are filled with pesticides. You can't trust any of it. <laughs> I saw that on the board, and I thought that was something from the Woodward book. <laughs> 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 One last point about this. I have come to realize that I have Diet Coke with virtually every bit of food I consume all day. Diet Coke is incredibly sweet. It is an incredibly sweet food. And so, really what I am doing is convert, and I, you know, I eat something and then I take a sip of soda. I eat something, I take a sip of soda. So what am I doing? I'm dipping every single thing I eat. <laughs> All day, every day in Diet Coke. Diet Coke basically turns every food into dessert. I have been eating dessert for every bite of every food I have eaten for basically the last 25 years of my life, ever since Fran Lovett switched the Lovett household from regular Coca-Cola to Diet Coca-Cola in 1994, and we all lost 10 pounds. <laughs> Let's end on a high note. Uh, just want to note that Indiana Supreme Court struck down a colonial era law that criminalized consensual gay sex, striking a major blow against more than 150 years of anti-LGBT discrimination in the country. The law was instituted during British colonial rule. It criminalized sex that was against the order of nature and contributed to a culture of repression and discrimination. And it is a reminder, too, that there's a lot of work to do here. But being a gay rights activist in India is hard and grueling, and the progress takes forever, and you can spend a very long time and see very little. And so this is a really good thing, a really important step. And uh, as much as we've made progress here, it's a reminder, too, that if we had had a democratic administration, one of the things that State Department would be advocating for around the world right now would be gay rights and women's rights and reproductive rights, and we don't have that. And we don't talk about that, but this is really good news, so we're going to leave it there. I want to thank our amazing panel. What a fantastic panel. Emily Oshita, Cara Brown, Josh Barrow. Thank you guys for coming out. Come see us next week at the El Rey, and have a great night.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.